Trent Dalton's first novel, Boy Swallows Universe, was a massive hit all over the world. It was also fiction. Names were changed, but it described Dalton's Brisbane childhood, mother, a heroin addict, stepfather, a drug dealer, both of them imprisoned for a while, father a drunk. But far from a misery memoir, the book was shot through with love for all of them. His new novel is called Lola in the Mirror, and it features drugs and violence and homelessness in Dalton's characteristic and strangely uplifting style. He told me, writing about his own life in Boy Swallow's universe was like opening the floodgates for him. Oh, Kim, that book was the thing I needed to get out of, like literally, like prize it from the pit of my stomach, that book. And it was this thing, like, Kim, there were times when I was 12 years old and kids at school would go, hey, Trent, uh, why is your mum not at tuck shop? And uh, and I'd make up all sorts of stories about why she isn't. And I didn't have the, whatever, the, the courage or the wisdom to say, oh, well, actually, she's just going through a really, really difficult time. And she's kind of um, like doing time behind bars. And uh, But, you know, that will just be a blip on a very complex radar that makes up her, you know, almost 70 years of life. Um, and one day she'll be the most amazing grandma to my two daughters and the most amazing mum to me. And um, and that all became the book Boy Swallows Universe. And I just had to kind of get that out of my guts um, and kind of face the truth of it and kind of pay tribute to it. And um, once I did that, it genuinely unlocked all these stories, Kim. So I have always had a a word document on like just this simple microsoft word document it's now 120 pages long filled with just dot point story ideas and i and it's just my favorite thing to do is kind of wake up in the morning i've dreamt some idea up or i'm in that nice little creative moment between um you know sleep and waking and and i've come up with some idea and i'll just jot it down and then i keep so i finish a story i go to that and i go okay what's what's hopefully hopefully kind of making my um spine um you know do a little dance and uh the most and then i'll try and follow that idea but that only all happened once i i could sort of clear my head from from the stuff of boy swallows universe which you know if i'm being really honest with you kim i think was actually some sort of stuff that i psychologically like needed to process in a real way and i just happened to do it in a 420 page book and i don't know whether that's the most healthy way to process that sort of childhood stuff but it worked for me and and since then i just feel so free and you know and and it's helped me believe that that i'm allowed to tell more stories and and then people like you know nz readers told me to keep going too you know that's the thing people across the world go i know a little bit about brisbane queensland australia particularly the the amazing readers in nz know a lot about it and they'll go that's very similar to my city you know and that's very sim- similar to the fringes of the city that i know so please keep telling telling us some of these stories and it's like all right all right i will all right if you if you give me the uh the permission and you're saying I should, then I then I damn well should, you know. And I mean, particularly um, yeah. this latest novel, Trent, Lola in the Mirror, it's a kind of a love letter to Brisbane, isn't it? Oh, so deeply, Kim, so deeply. Like it's it's me saying, it, it's a love letter to the later years of my life where, so we get through 
that stuff, which is, you know, mum falls in love with a heroin dealer in Brisbane and, you know, goes behind bars in Brisbane. My brothers and I go to this other area in Brisbane raised by my dad. But then I, but then I hit 20, right? And I, I meet this beautiful girl who becomes my wife and I get a job in journalism and I spend my time knocking on um, doors in the suburbs of, of my home city and just talking to people on the fringes of society. And I, like, I did that for 17 years. Like it was just genuinely 17 years of straight up social affairs journalism, Kim. And it's sort of me paying tribute to all the people in this city that I've seen and to the point where there's whole characters based on interviews that I did and um, and people who met me and said, you should go deeper in this stuff because no one's writing about this and and who's ever going to see the um, invisible people if, um, if, if it's not you, the journalists, who are trying to sort of uncover them. That's kind of, I feel like that's a writer's job, you know, to kind of um, colour color the invisible, to kind of make life of the invisible. And, and that's that was a real privilege for me. And I think, you know, all I was ever doing in that time anyway, Kim, was kind of working out the stuff that was in my head. So it was a kind of win-win for me. It really became this win-win thing. And then, you know, I walked into this shelter here in Brisbane. Um, it's a famous kind of iconic shelter, homeless shelter that's been around for 50 years. It's called Third Space. The idea being Third Space, we all need that third space to get away and clear our heads. Um, and this place was meant to be sort of a haven for Brisbane's homeless. And there's, you know, there's 12... There's 12,000 um, people in my city who regularly seek homeless services, 120,000 in my country. And um, and I just thought, well, okay, can I write a, a cracking yarn, a rattling yarn um, inside a world that matters? You know, and I was like, well, Dickens did it. And I know I'm not saying I'm anywhere near Dickens or and Steinbeck did it. And it's just like, why not? Those guys did it, you know, and um, all the Shakespeare did it, you know, write about the world that's outside your window. But but write about it in a way that hopefully people will will read to the final page. Right. You're not making people feel bad. You're actually making people feel good. Oh, that's so. It's such a beautifully kind of simple way to describe my be, like beautifully perfect and and simple. Like the the most perfect things people say are simple, and like that's so true, Kim. Like it was. That's all I try and do. Like, can we talk about the bad stuff in, and make people feel good at the same time? Yeah, the point that you make throughout is that we are not just one thing. You said it a bit earlier. Your dad, Noel, was not only a oh. drunk. Your stepfather was not only a drug dealer who turned your mother onto heroin. Your mum was not just a junkie. And if you yeah. start looking at people as more than one thing, then you can start feeling compassion for them. That's hard, um, though, right? Because we're very judgmental. Oh well, the great the great judgment on homelessness is often, well, it's all drugs and drink, and 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 yeah, there's no doubt drugs and drink will keep a person on the street. I did a book once, Kim. No one read it. It was like the first nonfiction collection of stories. It was just it 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 was through this third space shelter, and we it was a fundraising book where I and it was called Detours, and it was all about the detour moment that a human has that sets them on the path to homelessness. And I interviewed twenty people, twenty regulars in that shelter, and I said, I don't want to know about your life on the show. I want to know the life before it and what was the very detour moment and. Every time, Kim, every time it wasn't drugs and drink. It was moments of childhood trauma. It was moments of acute misfortune, like the most tragic misfortune, like 
um, a soldier driving a tank. Um, um, there's an explosion. He loses an eye. He starts drinking because he can't get work. He gets kicked out of the army. He goes on the street. Um, a woman um, has an acute moment of memory of child abuse as as a girl. She's an adult now, develops a sugar addiction, um, and the sugar addiction just explodes to the point where she's losing her teeth, um, she loses her job, she gets into gambling, she gets on the street. It's sort of just these horrendous moments of um, tragedy, often in earlier times, often in youth, that are kind of connected to the 55-year-old adult who we pass on the street. And it was just like, you're so right. You only get to know that if you choose to remove judgment and move closer to that person. And, and it's very hard to judge someone if you're really up close, you know, and, and you're actually seriously just sitting there going, um, tell me about what you've got inside. Tell me what you're hiding in the pit of your stomach. Like, that's what I'm, that's what I liked about me sharing my pit of my stomach and that stuff you're talking about. Like, it's so beautiful to hear you say my dad's name on like New Zealand radio, Kim. I, I wish he could, he's gone now. He's not even here to hear you I'm say so that. sorry he went before um, your first book came out. He would have loved Boy Swallows Universe, wouldn't he? So, so we've got this um, quiz show over here. I don't know if you guys have The Chaser on NZ um, the television. The Chase, The Chase, not The Chaser, The Chase. It's a quiz show. My dad lived for that quiz show. Kim. I lived for that and quiz you... show. Oh, <laughs> like he was a complete. <laughs> so he lived in this housing commission sort of unit over this island called Bribey Island. It's just this, and it's like eight eight blokes, you know, living alone who've, you know, largely messed up with their their wives back in the day and they're kind of drinking a bit and they're living in these units and all they do is do quizzes and um but, and read books and read books. And and yesterday afternoon, Kim, there was a question on the chase and the question was, what state was Trent Dalton born in? <laughs> and I just think, oh, man, if only Dad <laughs> only Dad was around to watch that at like 5.30 up at Bravi Island and he would have lost his mind. Ah. Kim, and, then, and that's only because, like, I wrote a book and, and it now sort of kind of stands in on bookshelves in bookstores beside his heroes like Hemingway and Tolkien and Geraldine Brooks and, you know, you know these amazing um, writers that he used to pass me, you know, and, and uh, you know, hand, hand me these books, you know. So it's like, yeah, it's the great, it's the great tragedy of the past sort of six years of my life is that that beautiful, complex, troubled man didn't get to see what his son did for him. You, by any account, had a challenging childhood. I mean, we've talked about this, the drugs and the drink which afflicted mm. your parents. Mm. You could have turned into someone who says, look, you know, I had a really dodgy start and I've done really well. People should just pull themselves together. But you don't go that way. Oh, yeah. What's made you think that people deserve compassion rather than tough love? That's that is such a it's such a great um, thing to explore, Kim. It's in 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 my latest book, Lola in the Mirror. It's all about this idea of who we are when we look in the mirror. It's like, what do you see? And you know, when you have that, I don't know if you ever do it, Kim. Where you you, you know, I don't know, you're getting to work, you know, getting yourself ready for work at the no doubt that you know pre dawn, and and uh, you might just have that five minutes where you get that moment of peace where you stare at yourself and you go how the hell did I get here? Like, who is this person? Like, honestly, <laughs> truthfully, like, 
You know what I mean? Do you ever do that? Like, it's like, I find that really profound if you really stay in that moment and you start to really look at it. Like, I do it all the time where I'm kind of going, oh, look at the things you've done wrong, but try and remember the things you've done right. But also, like, when I did that as a kid, like, I would genuinely look in the mirror when I was 12 and I'd see great things. Like, I wanted to be Wally Lewis, like, captain of the Australian football team, right? And uh, And then, but then by the time I got to 16, I just wasn't liking what I was seeing in the mirror because I was wise enough to know it's all it's all pretty sad. Like the truth of it was pretty sad. Like, like, you know, there's a lot of drink and there's holes in the walls and you're going, oh, what other thing could I possibly see in the mirror than what I see outside my hallway in terms of my future? And a lot of people ask me, like, uh, I was at this forum here in Australia. We've got a lot of youth crime issues right, right now. It's just exploding, like, youth crime in Australia. And they're like, someone asked me, like, Trent, how would you solve youth crime? <laughs> I'm like, that's such a complex thing to talk about. But it's like, one thing is like, we just need to change what those largely young men are seeing in the mirror. And like, what are those boys? What what past are they seeing? What present are they seeing? And what future? And there was a time, Kim, where I just stopped. I had this American baseball cap when I was a teenager and I'd pull it over my head. And I and if I did look in the mirror, it was genuinely, Kim, it was to say like three words, like F, F you all. Like I just, I was just really angry. And I, and I, So what I'm trying to tell you is like, I totally get if someone stays in that place, like it's so easy to stay in that place. And then suddenly you're 28 and and you're still saying that to the mirror. And then, you know what, you're 55 and then you're still saying that to the mirror. I dedicate the whole book, Lola in the Mirror. I dedicate it to, I write it and I'm just pretty open about it. I say like, this book's for anyone who didn't jump in the river and this book's for anyone who did. And what I mean by the river is like, the river, it's the, it's just the weight, you know, who got consumed or drowned in the weight of life. And I just totally get it. Like I just, in terms of that compassion, I make no judgments because the only thing that got me, the only thing I had that I think some others don't who who do succumb is is love, you know. Like oh, I just had a, I had a, had a huge amount of love around me from those people that I've spoken to you about, Noel and, my mom, but also by the time I'm 20, I meet my wife. And and I swear, Kim, it's the cheesiest thing you're going to hear this morning, but it, it was it was that woman that made me, like, as cheesy as this is about to sound, smile, smile in the mirror. And suddenly I liked what I saw in the mirror again. You know, sorry, thank you. sorry, just as I'm saying this, I'm getting emotional, but it's like it's so true, Kim. That's the fact. Crikey. Do you mind me asking how your brothers are? No, I don't at all, and I, I love you asking. And they're they're great. Three they're older really brothers. Great. I've got three older brothers. Yeah, yeah. No, they're they're really great, and they're just the most beautiful men on this planet. And they're the people I mum 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 raised her sons to be the complete opposite to the monsters that she had surrounded herself with in the nineteen eighties and the early nineties. You know, and 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 I'm not including like she met some other monsters. When she got out and, you know, the the real villains in my story are the people, are the sort of charmers who who um, who um the world didn't realise were monsters behind closed doors and stuff. They're the sort of villains in all my stories. And they're often a similar sort of case in Lola in the Mirror as well. But the thing about my brothers is um, that they deal with that stuff. Like, I, I'm telling you, they're the most beautiful men around, but they they process all of that 1980s stuff in in different ways and in, um and 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 in truth like 
they would probably prefer a world in which their youngest brother um, didn't, um, <laughs> you know, put all this stuff into a book. But that, but, but this is why I love them so much, Kim. They also understand that that's that's my way of processing all that because the alternative was bourbon, you know, and it's like, and it's, um, and, and that's, that's a really positive alternative writing. You know what I mean? It's a really kind of positive way of doing it, but you know, the thing for those guys is, and the funny thing about all this stuff is, you know, the youngest brother of course is always and often the one um, who romanticizes it because, you know, I was the youngest and, and the interesting thing is my oldest brother, Joel would, you know, sees the whole thing in a in in a in a in a starker light, like a sort of a in much more and even in a darker light, like because he was he was older and carried the the weight of it more than all of us, and so it's sort of um, yeah. So um, I mean, <laughs> that question is the most complex question to me because it's like an ongoing thing where I go to myself if I say stuff in the mirror, if I'm talking about honest mirror conversations, it's like. Did you do the right thing in writing that book, Boys Wallets Universe? Like that's that's a really deep question. Like like and and did do your brothers, despite the fact they tell you it's the coolest thing ever, do they mean it? You know? <laughs> so that's that's the big stuff I ask myself in the mirror. So it's a really like it's a really cool question that you ask. Yeah. Do you ask them? All the time. All the time. And they I, say, I no, no, it's cool. Oh, I, I, my brother and I were at the the we watched the Brisbane Broncos. Oh, and I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. We beat you. You're beautiful Warriors. I don't know if anyone out there is listening to this. They're Matt, amazing, and I love those Warriors. We'll be back so next much. year. So, don't you worry. Oh, so up the wires forever. I just they are amazing. Sean Johnson is a hero to me. It's um, so don't even get me started. But we were at the football the other night, dead set. Like we were watching the Broncos get into the grand final and. And we go to for a beer afterwards and the same conversation usually comes up at about like midnight. <laughs> like, mate, you think, you know, did I did I do the right thing? You know, did it did it you know, I needed to do it. As I'm talking to my brother Ben, Ben, I needed to do it. Did I do the right thing? And he's so beautiful. He's just like, Stop it, stop it. You did, you did. And dad would have loved it. Dad would have loved it. I love it. We all love it. They're making a bloody TV show out of it. It's all good. <laughs> and it's sort of like, um, so it's um yeah, but you know I guess that's the plight of writing, of writing any truth. You know that's it. You got to you got to suffer the consequences. And if and if the consequences are that I get a bit of con not con like self inner inner conflict because here's the flip side, Kim. Here's the flip side. This kid from South Korea, right? This is no joke. Kid from South Korea. He's um he's he sends me a message, right? He he's read the South Korean, the Korean translation of Boy Swallow's Universe. The book got translated and went to all these countries, and he sends me this message and he goes, I have no idea where the suburb of Dara in the city where Dara, Brisbane, Queensland, Australia is. But I just want you to know I'm 15 now and and I read that book, and because I read that book, I have decided to live to adulthood. Whoa. Dead set, and it's just like okay, okay, well that okay, it's all good. You know what I mean? Like it, I don't know that it, it really helps balance any of my inner stuff. You know what I mean? And, it, and it's very inspiring. So you sort of go, okay, let's just let's just stick to that. And and if I'm speaking something to that young man, then you know, then okay, well, I reckon Dad would be proud of that as well. Yeah. 
I'm talking to Australian writer Trent Dalton about his latest book, Lola in the Mirror. So you've devoted at least part of your efforts in publicising Lola in the Mirror to a homeless charity called Second Chance. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. How? What is that? What does it do? Second Chance raises money to help women and their children who are on the street. So, and women who are often um, forced out of their homes in Queensland um, through domestic violence. By the and, monster. Uh, by the monster. Like, so there's a whole there's a whole sort of theme in my book. There's this sort of thing called the young cat, the young nameless hero at the heart of the book. She's nameless because her mum's been on the run, running from their monster that they, well, it's a bit dark, but uh, she put a, she put a paring knife in his throat and then they ran from the kitchen. It's and, a really, uh, I mean, I feel like I should warn people, this is not a children's book. This has dark, dark stuff in it. Um, yeah. Death yeah, by your own hand, by other people's hand, you know. But at the same time, it's glittering. It's the most extraordinary achievement, Trent. I don't know how you managed to do it. But anyway, carry on. Oh, Kim, you're giving me chills. Thank you. Thank you so much. That just means the world. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, it's that, it's, well, the girl says it in the book. We can only, she's an artist and she draws in these ink sketches and she says this great line. And it might be the truest line I wrote in that book, which is, uh, an artist, or, but this is anyone, you, we cannot actually, with a black ink pen, you cannot draw light. You cannot draw, you cannot physically draw light. You have to, you have to cull, you have to, it's, it, we, we get light on a white page from the darkness of the ink that we form around it. And so, so our light, our light, our glitter, as you say, you know, that, that beautiful, like it, it, it comes from the darkness that is around it. And like that, it could not be a truer line from kind of my life. And yeah, and so, it's so beautiful. We're kind of raising money um, at the same time for this amazing thing that, that raises money for women because, like, that's all just, like, that's all real life. Like, that's me in the early 90s, not the 80s. That's mum kind of running from her monster and going to DV shelters and stuff, and um, we're raising money. So the weird, cool thing, it's, like, literally Lola in the Mirror is raising money for the DV shelters that, you know, that helped my mum out in the early 90s. What do you call them, yeah, shelters? Like, Oh, sorry, DV, domestic violence shelters. Domestic yeah, violence, yeah. D- right. Yeah, so so there's a number of wonderful, um, wonderful, just, they're just, they're tucked in the suburbs in, in our city and they're, they're just, they're actually really quite beautiful and they look like, um, they look like childcare centres and they're just normally just these wonderful, I'm, you know, I know they're everywhere across NZ as well. It's, um, you know, it just be- wonderful little brick buildings or um you know weatherboard buildings um where where mums and their kids can go for a bit of sanctuary and to when they're running from their monsters and it's like there's something really cool that i find you know that i've written this book about a mother and a daughter running from monsters that's going to raise money for mothers and daughters running from monsters it's just like that is just so kind of perfect to me and i'm so yeah i'm really proud of of how we're going about kind of launching this thing into the world and do they get places to live after they get out of the shelter what happens yeah well what well it's all transitional well well kim this is at the heart of our issues now so it used to be and this is you know what would happen in brisbane you know in a time when we didn't have a housing crisis we have a massive housing crisis right now where yeah 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 I, i bet i bet and uh 
it used to be that you would you would spend some time, maybe four or five days in a in a DV shelter and working out your transition. So they would, you know, the police might you might engage police and they might go get your belongings, and then you might organize some emergency accommodation. But that that emergency accommodation doesn't exist anymore. There there is there is a two year wait list at least that you would you would go on um, on a social housing register. So we're calling now for. In Queensland, this is just in my state alone. There needs to be eleven thousand social housing homes being built every year. That that's like eleven thousand every year just to accommodate the need. And it's like uh, every year for the next eleven years. And it's like <laughs> that's extraordinary, you know. And so it's um it's been neglected for that long. That's been the problem. And and it's not a it's not a popular election issue. It's never been, and um and it's just been passed over between government to government. And now. It all um, has led to genuinely, Kim. There's there's just cars now in in our major um, parks, you know, and um, where mums are doing um, maths homework with their children in the front seat of cars, and uh, and it's just an it's just the saddest thing you'll ever see. And the government now is um, allowing allowing it. We used to they used to move the tents on, but because of there is literally nowhere else for them to go, they say, well. Um, now you you know we're going to turn a blind eye because we have to that's that's actually the responsible thing to do because there's literally nowhere else to go so it's a, it's a really i don't know and i just i just felt okay well i kind of got to put some of that stuff in my book if if i can you know and um yeah so i'm i'm so really proud that i that i did and and it, and you know what Kim, just when i'm talking to you i feel proud of it you know because it's just like yeah so it's and it's really interesting to hear that yeah that nz of course yeah our our Equally beautiful countries mirror mirror each other in so many wonderful ways, and but but we mirror each other in the darker ways too. And and I so I've really loved. I can't. I'm going to the Auckland Writers Festival next year, and I just cannot wait to just touch base with NZ readers and go, "Hey, thanks for sharing it. Thanks for sharing it all. It's just like I'm hearing you, and uh, I'm going to keep writing for you." Yeah. You must have got an extraordinary response, as you say, from all over the world, South Korea and elsewhere, to your books, have you? It's been incredible, you know. I saw a, um, you know, just recently there was a, there was a, you know, just the the Chinese cover of Boy Swallows Universe, and just to see how people interpret that story, the Chinese, the Chinese cover has has really accentuated all the me- the metaphysical stuff in the book. It's just amazing the way people approach a story that you've carried in your heart, right? So the Chinese, the cover is this beautiful boy sitting in front of this pool, and it's like called the moon pool in my book and it's the it's the pool that the two brothers process their trauma in and they, it, it's and it actually is at the heart of the story of the book something incredibly dark happened to i won't spoil it for anyone but it, it's related to something their dad did and um they put that on the cover right but then you go to america and it's just this really gritty it's just a it's a boy standing in a, a bunch of old used cars and it's like this really gritty kind of um, Goodfellas type sort of cover, you know, they, they they really accentuated the kind of gangster element, and it's sort of funny to see the way people have responded across the world. And so they made this show in, for Netflix, and it's like coming out this summer. It'll be hitting like New Zealand. I can't wait. It'll be coming to New Zealand. I can't wait till it comes up in people's Netflix feeds. But it's you know the Hollywood people came out, and this this big this big Netflix Hollywood guy um, came out and and watched the show, and he goes. 
oh my god this is this is like sons of anarchy meets stranger things ah. you know, that's, that's amazing how he's interpreted it that's you know pretty I mean? good so that's pretty, pretty good, good. I, gonna, I said oh that's i was going to ask yeah, you yeah. what genre you thought you wrote in oh that's a great question have you got a it's, genre that's a great question i would call it um Okay, so people call it magic, magic realism. Yeah, yeah. But it, I, it, I don't, you know, I don't think it is that because because I like I actually believe, like that 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 kind of magical thinking is a real thing for kids who process trauma and stuff. I find that like it's like well, that is part of my reality as a kid, and it's a part of the reality of a lot of kids growing up. So I sort of I try and say, okay, well, it is that. I do get it when people say it. I get proud when people say it. I'm, there's a great history of magical realist writers across the world. It's crime. I definitely write about crime. I think I really realise, and I realise that especially in Lola in the Mirror. But it's this, um, it's like this elevated kind of crime writing where I'm, I'm. Um, but but to be honest, Kim, I think I just write love stories. I think I write romance stories. Each story I've written at the heart of it is a love story. Like Lola is an absolute unashamed love story. I'm trying to romanticize like there's a kiss in the middle of the most boring bridge in the world, which is called the Victoria Bridge, which crosses the Brisbane River. But I've tried to make that the most as if it was a bridge that you'd see in Paris. And it's like, why not? You know, why the hell not? And it's like so... Yeah, I think I write love stories is what I do. Yeah. Honestly, they'll be building statues to you in Brisbane, will they not? <laughs> no way ever, but that's so funny, Kim. But imagine it, like, just sort of some version of, like, we've got this... I don't know if you guys are aware of Wally Lewis that much. If you remember him from the 80s, like, we played New Zealand all the yeah. time and uh, so many great games. Yeah, right, right, right. So there's this King Wally Lewis statue in my home city. So you'd say... You know what I mean? That's the famous statue we've got in our city. So that would be so funny, that thought of like a Trent Dalton one right now. I reckon. That'll be just the... <laughs> I reckon. Um, you uh, talked about the Netflix series. Who plays Eli? Uh, it's this boy named Felix Cameron. Um, Felix Cameron is just this young wonderkin actor. I'll tell you what happened, Kim. So I went on set the first day and they've 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 recreated the whole set to just infinite detail. So the... The, the woman who was in charge of the art direction of it was the woman who did the matrix of all films and like just really big time, amazing art director. And she calls me up and she says, I want to go to every suburb of your childhood. And I did the big tour, I took it on to Dara and Brackenridge and Boggo Road Women's Prison, which doesn't, sorry, Boggo Road Prison, the grounds of it, the women's prison doesn't exist anymore, but um, took it everywhere. And she just was just taking copious notes. And so by the time I turn up on on set, They've recreated my childhood home, Kim. Like it's it's like I am stepping into my memory. And I walk up onto this porch, I turn left, there's the actor from Vikings, Travis Fimmel, playing my stepdad. There's Phoebe Tonkin, this superstar actor model, um, playing essentially my mum. And there's Felix playing essentially like the absolute avatar of me. And he's like twelve years old and he's a bag of bones like I was as a kid. He's in the exact school uniform that I wore, and he's he's got a piece of peanut butter toast in his hand because he's <laughs> filming a scene. Right, we're halfway through, and I just started like I walked right through the set, and I was weeping. And then and then he goes, he goes, this kid, he goes, oh hi Trent, and I and I grabbed him and just hugged him, and it was so strange. I said, um, are you okay? 
you good? And you know what I mean? It was like, I was just uh, like, what I was saying was like, like, are you okay? Like, like, cause I was sort of talking yes. to myself. Like it was so strange and, and bizarre. And I was trying to sort of go because I knew what happens in that kitchen and where it goes from there. And it's sort of like, it was just the most profound thing. And he was so beautiful. He just sort of must've thought I was so weird. Like, why is this sort of 44 year old guy crying in front of me? I'm trying to do a scene here, mate. And, uh, <sighs> Yeah, it was really beautiful. And everyone, man, everyone on the set goes, um, oh, this must be the most amazing thing, Trent. You know, wow, congratulations. You must feel on top of the world. And I, you know, pretended for a bit and go, yeah, yeah, it's amazing. Then I turned to my wife and I was just like, I need to get out of here. Like, uh-huh. I just said, I need to go. And we just, we took off. Yeah. So, so sort of completely strange. And yet, you know, and yet the most beautiful thing to ever happen, you know, at the same time. And, and that's life, I guess. Are you still uh, working for the weekend? Australian Mac. I'm um, I'm I'm on the books. I'm still on the books, <laughs> I'm but the I, books. I, I I I'm on the books, but I don't get paid. Like I sort of um. So I and that that's a that's a legacy of me sort of trying to just hold on to. I don't know, just like holding on to things in case everything goes south uh, in my writing world, which is just such a funny negative way to live. But um, but I've sort of but the good thing about it is is just holding on to journalism as well. Like I find journalism so good for the soul in terms of getting out of my own head and and uh you know it's always really good. I I had my first piece on the on the weekend and it was about that third space place that I'm telling you about. Oh right. It's about so and and it was really good. People like, hey thanks for continuing to write about stuff that matters and not just not just talking about your own kind of head stuff, you know. It was so it's really good. And I find journalism very it I actually find it a very um human kind I know it doesn't pay anyone, you know, everyone goes, Oh, would you tell would would you tell my kid to join journalism? And and it gets ragged on so often journalism, but um I say it's the most it's the most incredible job in the world. It doesn't pay anything, but it will but who cares about money? It's, life's not about that. It, life's about experience. And if you're looking for ex- experiences, journalism is the greatest thing you could ever do. And and I just will never leave it for that reason because that one job allows me to, it gives me excuses for for doing the wildest things. Like for, you know, you suddenly got a reason to do something. And um, yeah, so I, I'll definitely continue to do it for the rest of my life. So do you think your journalism or your novels can actually change things. I like to think so, Kim. Hence why I just try and write about things that matter. That's why I'm, I do, when I get those ideas that I'm telling you about, about on the Microsoft Word thing I was telling you about, I do lean towards the one that are actually going to say something and might actually do something for someone. And um, so I do, and I know that's a that's a flighty thing to think because it's like, you know, as if, right, as if it's really ever going to change. But I've... I don't know. I've seen it too many times. Like uh, there were too many times with Boy Swallows Universe when I, when I, so you do question, oh, did I do the right thing? And then you go to some book event and someone comes up and goes, Hey, Hey, I just want you to know that um, I read this book and I, I called up my dad. I haven't spoken to him in 30 years. And now I called up my dad, you know, and it's like, okay, well, that's a change. And uh, I know it's a small change, but it's like, that's change. And uh, no, or, no, um, I, I mean, don't you think we have to, we have to start with small changes these days because if oh. we look at what needs to be changed, we'll all just go back to bed. Oh, that's so true. That is so true. That is absolutely true. I've realised that. You know, that's so true. Yeah. that's it. I, t- I tell that to my daughters. It's like, yep, you know, yeah, like they get a bit down with 
the wider. They, they go to a school that's really socially conscious. And how and old are they really, now? They're sixteen and fourteen. Right. Yeah, so they're right in the thick of really um, knowing about the world. And and it and it's that thing. It's that thing. You don't have to just change that immediately. You just have to be kind. You know, you just have to be kind and uh, and and bring your kindness to as many people as you can, and and that will change the world. You know, I, I just think. I think kindness and enthusiasm are just, you know, you can have those things as a human, then you're going to be, you're going to be leading a pretty solid life. And, um, and, you know, so I, these are the things that, you know, and if, if I try to change things on my end, it's just that it's, I'm trying to sort of show those things that, Hey, remember what you got in your own house, which is the love of maybe one if, um, in, and maybe five, if you're lucky, maybe 10, if you're even luckier, just these people around you can help, you know, sustain you and 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 yeah, and, and help change things together. And yeah, but I, I so so agree. It is it is the small stuff. You're right. So I shouldn't discount the fact that someone picks up the phone and calls their dad. That that's that might be that's a small change that leads to some really great things. That was Trent Dalton, whose latest book is called Lola in the Mirror. You appear to like him very much. 